Good morning. Good morning, church. There's a few of you with me. I need you with me this morning, so good morning. Yes. Now I could take you along this crazy ride that I'm going to do as a preach. Now I'm joking. Buck yourselves in. Um, so today I am going to be talking about questions. And I don't know if you're familiar with this question. We'll get there in a minute, but I've got some questions for you because life is full of questions. Loads of questions. Questions when you're young, questions when you're old, questions before you get married. There's many questions. And uh, I came across some questions. I'd love to put them to you. So here's a question. If sunglasses are for protection, why do they make people look suspicious? <laughs> Did Noah have woodpeckers on the boat? And if so, how did he get on? If there's a New Zealand, what have they done with the old Zealand? If I write a book on failure and it doesn't sell enough, would that be considered a success? You see, there's many questions. Obviously, there's one more, actually. Sorry. If M&M's or an M&M graduated from college, what would they be called? Smarty. I thought I'd put that one in there. Yeah, these are tired dad jokes. I'm not a dad yet. Um, But yeah, they've they've come out. But yeah, today I'm talking about questions. And it's a question uh, that Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say I am? And you know, Jesus has this tendency to ask real questions that hit deep, that are not just surface level, of, you know, how are you doing? But he asks real questions of, where are you at? And, you know, Jesus doesn't ask these questions because he needs to know the answer. It's because you and I need to know the answer. He asks these questions to find out that we could see what we believe and where we stand. What are we building our lives on? You know, I, when I look at the story of the woman at the well, Jesus asks a question. Some might say it's a bit, you know, a bit close to the knuckle. He says, oh, where's your husband? And she says, uh, well, and he says, that's right. You say that you haven't got a husband because you've had five. That's quite harsh. But then Jesus also asks a question as well. He says, when the woman was brought before him, uh, they were ready to stone her. And they said to Jesus, you know, she's ready to be stoned. And he said, he who is without sin, cast the first stone. Then he said to the woman, woman, where are your accusers now? So questions are important. And like I said, I want to draw our attention to this question here. Who do you say I am? And that is found in Matthew 16, verses 13 to 18. So I'd love for you to read along with me. Uh, So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Matthew 16, verses 13 to 18. Or if you've got them digitally, please switch them on now and let's read. So from verse 1, I'll read. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of Jonah, 
because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now that I say to you, you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. So who do people say Jesus is? Even in our world today, sometimes the name Jesus is used so flippantly. You know, and it's not just Jesus. It's usually like Jesus Christ as well. You know, some, among some circles, you know, maybe amongst atheists, they might say he never existed. To some people, he was just a good man. In some circles, he was just a prophet. In some circles, he was just another God amongst the many. But Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say that I am? And, you know, the disciples grappled with this. They started to talk amongst each other. And I can imagine how the conversation went between them. He says, oh, well, do you know what? Jesus, I've heard that you have been called Elijah because you've come with some miracles. And that's you're going to lead us. Some others have said, you are like John the Baptist. Oh, that's quite funny because John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin. You know, these are not bad names for Jesus to be mixing with. They're highly thought of prophets of the Old Testament. Both John and Elijah were forerunners of the Messiah who was to come. The anointed one, the holy one of Israel, who was going to restore everything back in God's will and purpose. But Jesus was not the forerunner, but he was the one to come. What's interesting about this conversation that Jesus has uh, with his disciples here in Matthew 16 is that he doesn't say or ask this question just after he's done a miracle. If you read earlier in the chapter, Jesus has just fed about 4,000 people and he doesn't then feed the 4,000 people and say, hey, disciples, you know, who do they say I am? Or later on when he gives performs a miracle, I beg your pardon, <laughs> performs a miracle and gives sight to the blind man. He doesn't then turn around to the disciples and say, who do you say I am? We see that Jesus could have asked this question well before, well ahead. But he asked this question in Caesarea Philippi at the bottom of Mount Hermon. Now, first off, we see that Caesarea Philippi is the backdrop of pagan worship. And it got its name from Herod or Herod's son, Philip of Tetrarch. And he was one of the sons of Herod. And he called it Caesarea to acknowledge Caesar. And then he put his name on the end of it. As we could see in the picture, Caesarea is northeast in um, Israel. So it's just at the top there next to Syria. And that is where Jesus asks the question, who do you say that I am? A little bit more about it is that um, at the base of the mountain is a sacred cave where they used to worship different kind of gods. And one of the gods, I've got a picture here, it's the best one I could find, if Deji puts it up. It is Pan or Benias. And Pan is the Greek god of panic. So he brings fight, fright, I beg your pardon. In ancient times, people would come and would look to appease these gods. They would look to appease Pan. So you're thinking to yourself, well, why would Jesus 
Aunts, who do you say I am here? It's for a purpose. It's against this backdrop that Jesus says, who do you say I am to the disciples? Where there's false worship going on, do the disciples recognize that he is the Messiah, that he is God? It was fine for the disciples to know what others thought about Jesus. But Jesus had to ask them as individuals what they believed. We read Simon's reply. He says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Simon declares that he is the Christ. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. You didn't learn this from any human being, but God revealed it to you. You know, when I was reading this, you know, this passage of scripture, I thought to myself, well, how dim could the disciples be? How comes it's taking them up to the 16th chapter, three and a half years, and it's taken me three minutes to work out that Jesus is the Messiah? You see, when we know who Jesus is and we put our trust in him, it changes everything. C.S. Lewis says this, that Jesus is either Lord, he's lunatic, or he's a liar. And you know, we can come to our own conclusions. If we were to read the Bible in isolation or passages of scripture in isolation, we could come to the wrong conclusions. Maybe a statement like this where Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. You were thinking, are you sure about that? Because you're about 33. Or even there's another one. When I've been watching The Chosen, which is a film series on the life and mission of Jesus, um, he goes into the synagogue and he opens a scroll and he reads from Isaiah 61. And he says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. And he goes on to read it. And then he says, it's all about me. And they were the, people were astounded by what Jesus said. They even said amongst themselves, isn't this the son of Joseph? How, how could he be the one who is to come? We know him. Not a chance. But when we read about Jesus' life and mission here on earth, we should come to the conclusion that he is Lord. You know, there's been nobody else in history who has predicted their own death risen from the dead, and did exactly as he said he would, as he did it. I want to say to us today that hope is realized in Christ. When we know him, when we find him, Israel were eagerly waiting for this coming Messiah. Simon's bar Jonah, which means son of Jonah. I keep getting mixed up with this word here, but bar Jonah means son of Jonah. So Jonah would have told Simon about the Messiah that was to come. And Jonah's father would have told him about the Messiah that was to come. It was generation upon generation they had been waiting for this Messiah to come. They had been hoping that they would be released from the oppression of the controlling powers that were there. The Romans. Even John the Baptist questioned whether Jesus was the Messiah. He sent his disciples to go and see Jesus and ask the question, to inquire. Maybe like the rest of Israel, he was hoping for, you know, maybe this, this warrior king, this warrior Messiah that was going to save them. Jesus answers this in Luke 11 and 4. He says, go and tell John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive their sight 
the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised, and the, hope, and the poor have good news brought to them. Jesus is telling them exactly who he is. You can't, it can't be missed. It can't be mixed with anything else. All the while, they were waiting for this Messiah, this messianic hope. Now, I've got a question to you. Have you ever hoped for anything in life? doesn't have to be that serious, but you might have hoped for something. For me, I, I remember <clears throat> growing up, so I'm one of six, and um, my parents did well to grow us up. We never had lack of anything. We had clothes on our back, food, warm space to sleep. It was amazing. However, I didn't have some of the things that my friends had. And uh, one thing that came to my mind was uh, PlayStation 1. Man, I wanted a PlayStation 1 so much when I was younger. And I knew that financially we probably couldn't afford it. We couldn't afford those extra things. And uh, having a chat with my friend, he would say, oh, yeah, I've played this latest game. What do you think of it? And I'd be like, um, yeah, I haven't played it as yet. Um, but, yeah, I'll let you know when, I, when, I've, when I've played it. And he, there was even a time when he said, oh, Isaac, I've got this game. I've completed it. Why don't you take it home, play it, and come back to me and let me know how you get on with it. So there I was taking a console game home with me, but no console to play it on. You do set yourself up like that sometimes, don't you? And so I'm thinking, oh, man, what do I tell him? So I held on it for about eight weeks. Um, and we got near to Christmas. And then I was hoping that Christmas, I can't remember what year it was, that Christmas I was hoping that we'd get a PS1. So before I gave him back his game, I could have at least played it. But there was not a chance. And I didn't know anybody who had a PS1. Well, up my mum's sleeve in January, as the January, January sales come along, Things usually come down in price, and she got us a PS1. And it was great. We got to play games on it, but my time is very different from the generation now. We spent a lot of time outside, uh, riding our bikes, playing football. So we got the game, but then once we got it, we weren't that impressed with it. We sort of just played it the once and then back out again. You know, I'm sure like you, you have hoped for many things before in the past. But, you know, far greater than the games console... Simon had realized the hope of a nation, the hope of Israel, and that was Jesus Christ. J.I. Packer says this, Christian hope expresses knowledge that every day of this life and every moment beyond it, the believer can say with truth on the basis of God's own commitment that the best is yet to come. You know, we have an eternal hope for those who are in Christ Jesus. We have a high hope, so we're not just stuck in this life and what this life has to offer, but also in the hereafter. Maybe that's a word for somebody today. Maybe whatever you're going through, I don't know. It could be financial. It could be your health. It could be various other things, relationships. You could find hope in Jesus Christ. When we know who Jesus is, it changes everything. And when we put our trust in him, we are given a new name and a new identity. What's amazing about the moment when Simon says that you are the Christ, Jesus changes his name. 
He has a name change. And we see that in the Old Testament. But we see Jesus change Simon's name to Peter. He says, now I say that you are Peter, which means rock. Simon means reed, but Peter means rock. When Paul had an encounter with Christ on the road to Damascus, his name was also changed from Saul to Paul. When we have an encounter with Christ, he gives us a new name and a new identity. Now, you may not know it. I'm from London. And in London, I had a street name. I knew he was going to be shocked by that, weren't you? My street name was Big Isaac. Now, you're thinking, where's that name come from? Because he's not that big, is he? Uh, well, well, growing up, I was like the only child in the area, probably, I thought, who was called Isaac. But there was a child who moved in two doors up the road from me. And so we had two Isaacs now. It's like, what do we do? Okay, well, I'm not going to trade my name in. And he said he's not going to trade his name in. So when we played football, someone said, oh, yeah, I'll tell you what. Why don't we call him Big Isaac and Little Isaac? And, you know, it was such a weird thing when you heard that. So it was fine for you to call me Big Isaac on the street. But if you was in my home, if you ever call me Big Isaac, we'll get into a fight. Because my brother would do that to annoy me. He'd be like, Big Isaac, Big Isaac. And it was a name that I felt like I couldn't get rid of. But now I'm in Birmingham. I could lose that name. My name is just Isaac. Just Isaac. Not Isaac who forgot the dress, by the way. My wife preached last week. Don't just Isaac (laughs) but we too are given a new name and a new identity in Galatians 4 4 to 5 Paul says this God sent forth his son born of a woman born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons it's amazing isn't it That we go from orphans to sons and daughters. No longer carrying the street name (laughs) or the other names. But actually we're called sons and daughters. We're also joint heirs with Christ. A new name is given. When we know Jesus and we put our trust in him, we too become his witnesses. When you think of the life of Peter, I'll tell you, we can be encouraged. You know, after Peter's declaration that Jesus, you are the Christ, and it was inspired by God, you know, Jesus then took the disciples alongside him and said, look, guys, you've declared that I'm the Christ, but also you need to know this, that I'm going to die, that I'm going to suffer at the hands of the the rulers, the religious rulers, and I'm going to be put to death, but I'm going to rise in three days. Peter's reaction was somewhat bold. He pulled Jesus aside and said to him, Jesus, not a chance. There's no way that will ever happen. And Jesus turned to him after saying God had revealed that he is the Christ to him, turned to him and said, get away from me, Satan. You see things from a human's point of view. You know, there's going to be times when we fail. There's going to be times when we don't reach the mark. Peter then later on went on to deny Jesus three times. 
Jesus said three times before the cock crows, you will deny me. But you know, the amazing thing about Peter's story is soon after Jesus' resurrection, Peter was restored. Peter was forgiven and Peter began to preach the gospel with boldness. Though he stumbled and failed, God was still able to use him. And I believe that's a word for us today, that God is still able to use us, to be his witnesses. Sometimes um, I feel a bit nervous, you know, sometimes speaking to people about what I do. You're thinking, oh, you should be proud. You should, you should tell everyone what you do. But you, you're, you can be worried about the reaction that you're going to get. And I remember having a conversation with somebody quite recently, um, and they said that they're an atheist, uh, they don't believe in God, and they turned around and said, okay, so what do you do? Uh, and I said, oh, yeah, you know, um, I kind of uh, work at church, uh, work with students and do a bit of worship kind of thing. He goes, oh, okay, that's good. He said, what inspired you to do that? I thought, wow, he wants to know more. I said, oh, well, you know, I, I felt like God had, had spoken to me uh, and, um, you know, impressed on my heart to actually step out into what looked like full-time ministry. And he said, oh, that's amazing. He says, what else do you do with the students? I say, well, you know, we welcome students in our church. We get alongside them. We, we go on trips. We do stuff together. But we also take them through the Bible and, and teach them about Jesus. He said, oh, that's amazing. You're very inspiring. <laughs> and I was like, Wow. I, I was, you know, sheepishly a, wit- a witness of Christ. But even still, he recognized, he was like, oh, that's amazing what you're doing with students. I want to say to us today, please do not shy. Do not be dismayed. Do not be worried. Do not be ashamed about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it does not put you to shame. But because we have our eternal hope in Jesus Christ, and he can be known, the God who made the universe has made himself known to us. So when Jesus says, who do you say I am? We can say who he is. And that is the question this morning. Who do you say that I am? As I said earlier, when Jesus asks the question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer, but it's that we need to know the answer. The question helps us really grapple with what we believe, what we're building our lives on, and where we stand with things. My question to you today is, do you know him or do you know of him? There's an invitation this morning. He's inviting you to come. He's inviting you to know him. And when I was uh, putting this message together, I uh, remembered a song, um, it might be an old one now, but by Graham Kendrick saying, knowing you, Jesus. And there's a verse and the chorus that, that hit it for me. Verse two, it says, now my heart's desire is to know you more, to be found in you and known as yours, to possess by faith, what I could not earn, all surpassing gift of righteousness. Then the chorus goes, knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, 
there is no greater thing. You're my all. You're the best. You're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you. I wonder this morning whether that could be our heart's prayer. That could be our heart's song as we sing to him. As we pray, as we ponder upon that question, who do you say I am? I want to invite the band up onto the stage. Life is full of questions, hard questions, questions that we grapple with. And yet Jesus says, in the midst of it, who do you say that I am? I'd like to give us about 60 seconds just to reflect on that question. You know, who do we say that he is? You might be going through a challenging time right now that maybe not everybody knows or nobody knows. Jesus is inviting you to invite him in. Who do you say that I am? I wonder if we could rise to our feet, if you're willing and able. And maybe we could bow our heads if you would like to. Close our eyes. Maybe think about how we could respond to that question. How do we respond to Jesus' earnest question, who do you say I am? Maybe you're thinking, I don't know him, but I want to know him. You might be thinking this morning, I don't know enough of him, but I'd love to know him. Maybe you want to know Jesus right where you are in a challenging time with a relationship, a job, or your health. I want to say today that Jesus is known and can be known in all circumstances, at all times. There's nothing too hard for him. Well, I want to pray with us. So as our eyes are closed, I'm going to pray. Lord God and Father, I thank you this morning for sending Jesus, your son. 
Lord, I remind you of the passage of scripture says, while we were sinners, while we were yet afar off, you came and died for us, Lord. You came and made yourself known. You entered our time, you entered history for us. Why? To redeem us. That's why we can say, I know my Redeemer lives. I know my Redeemer lives. Thank you, Lord, that you, there is no place that's too dark or that's too far for you to be there. And so whatever it is, Lord God, Jesus, wherever we find ourselves, thank you, Lord, that you have made yourself known and you continue to make yourself known. You are closer than a brother. You are a father to the fatherless. A true friend, indeed. But most of all, you are the Christ. For those of us here who've responded, Lord, and said, we want to know you more. We want to see your face. We want to know you right where we are, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would really present yourself to those hearts' request. Lord, that you would be very present in their moment, in their time, Lord God, at this point when they reach out to you. I pray for the rest of us, Lord, that wherever we find ourselves, whether it be on the school gates, our, at work, whether it be with our neighbours, that we do not shy, that, that we know who you are and what you've done for us. Just like Peter, we would have boldness to be witnesses of you. Thank you, Jesus, that you change everything when we know you. Some of us have sound a bit hard because things are not changing for you. But I want to say that you are not alone. One of Jesus' names is Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you, Lord, that you are with us. And you promise never to leave nor forsake us. Be with us now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now the band are going to lead us through a song. Um, and it is Christ is Enough. Oh, thank you.